From Ham Japan, this is Franklin, and you're listening to the Rock Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the way it affects our daily lives. Coming up on today's show, Mr. James Dunbar will join us to talk about the universe in verse. So stay tuned for all this, plus the Rockathon 5000. Back to the Rock Science Show. Well, as you know, we can never get enough of science education. We applaud all the teachers, professors, and enthusiasts out there who've tried to spread the word and inspire generations of scientists to come. Sometimes the public can make a big difference. Well, joining us right now is our very special guest, Mr. James Dunbar, who will be telling us about his project on Kickstarter. Uh, Mr. Dunbar, thank you so much for joining us here today. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me uh, back on the show. I understand you have this Kickstarter on on the web right now uh, called the Universe Verse, and this is actually the culmination of a three-part project in which you had three different books combined as paperbacks previously, but now you want as a, a hardback. Yes, could you tell us about this project? Yeah, so that's um, that's exactly right. It's uh, the whole project together is called the Universe Verse, and it's a rhyming, scientifically accurate uh, comic book that explains the origin of the universe, and life on Earth, and the human race. So pretty much the origins of everything. You know, it kind of uh, tails off towards the end where we get into human history because mm-hmm. there have been a a lot of um, great books out there that have, have talked a lot about that. But, um, but yeah, so the idea is to, to try and make this book that's as uh, engaging and exciting for kind of the broadest and youngest audience possible. So I'm really trying to get kids to see like a big picture view of science and the universe and, and make it fun and get them excited about science before they end up in school and you know are in some class they don't really love and think that they don't like science because I think most kids just naturally are curious and that's you know that's what science is so I want to kind of nurture that creativity while they're still young and impressionable and create lifelong science lovers that are that are gonna you know do great things in the world so the project is to take those three books that I published before bang it's alive well, actually, I guess two books have been published before. And then Great Apes is a third one. I just finished that one. And so now that the whole trilogy is finished, I'm putting it together. And I've got it up on uh, Kickstarter right now to raise money to do a beautiful hardcover version. Great. So does that include uh, movie rights for the future? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I haven't crossed that bridge. You want to... I haven't crossed that bridge yet, but uh, hopefully someday Sony will be uh, knocking on the door, or maybe Columbia. And you're right, certainly with the uh, the recent, it seems like movie studios are getting into turning beloved childhood books into um, into movies with what uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and The Lorax. <laughs> Depending on how the Kickstarter goes, we might we might get some uh, studio interest. It's certainly a normal goal you're you're pursuing. I'm just curious what 
what kind of people uh, have approached you uh, on the Kickstarter? Well, yeah, so I've been um, doing this, I've been at this for a couple of years, and I've released the first two books already to the public, and so I've, I've built up a pretty good network of science fans and comic book fans, mainly through podcasts, like I was on here, here on uh, Grok before, mm-hmm. and um, some really great blogs and stuff. And so, yeah, you get a lot of, um, a lot of science lovers, you know, some geeky types, myself certainly included. <laughs> and, um, and then also actually a lot of uh, home parenting and kind of secular homeschool communities, which uh-huh. is something I wasn't really familiar with before. But I guess there's a lot of people who, um, who do homeschooling, especially here in the States, and are looking for resources to explain the, uh, the big picture science concepts. So they've, they've really grabbed on to these books, which is uh, wonderful. That's exactly what the sort of uh, audience I was looking for. You mentioned a rhyming scheme. Uh, what was the inspiration behind that? It was definitely um, Dr. Seuss is what uh, what got me started. Um, I really loved his books as a kid, and it got to the point where I would, if I opened up a, a book while I was a child, you know, an illustrated kind of um, children's book, and it didn't rhyme, I was a little disappointed. I was like, "Come on, guys, you can you can make it work." And so I thought, you know, if I was going to be making a book and I wanted to appeal to kids, what appealed to me when I was a kid was, was definitely rhyming and, uh, and definitely illustrated. You know, that's what I liked, and so I thought that's what I should make. So speaking of rhyming uh, and science ditties, have you come across the familiar um, chemistry song? I don't, don't know it by heart, so uh, I certainly can't perform it, but I've, I've heard it a couple times, yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. Yes, yes. And ha- have you thought about a game that uh, the children can play based on this scheme? I haven't, no, but that is a good idea. Um, I always enjoy on, um, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I don't know if you ever listened to that uh, right, NPR, NPR right. uh, news, news quiz, um, but they've always got the weekly limerick. Yes. And that, yeah. that's my favorite part, and I think that, that actually could be good. And that's one of the, the other educational benefits about rhyme is it kind of provides the reader a way to guess what's coming. So, you know, I, I have done readings where, like, I'll pause before the last word in the, uh, in the couplet, and since people know what it's going to rhyme with, they can often, you know, guess the word that's coming, and it's usually some sort of science vocab, so that's, that could be a lot of fun. But I haven't formalized that, but that's an excellent idea. You mentioned there's three uh, sections to this trilogy. Uh, could you just give us a little more detail about them? Certainly. Yeah, so the first book in the trilogy is called Bang, and that's about the origin of the universe. And so it, it, it covers the Big Bang and the creation of energy and the fundamental forces and kind of the origin of matter and antimatter. And then it gets into um, how stars are born and how fusion works. So I explain what, uh, what E equals MC squared means, which is usually a part that a lot of people are excited about because it's something they've heard before don't really understand what it means or how fundamental it is to to stars and therefore to our existence. And so then Bang wraps up with uh, with galaxies. That's kind of the last concept introduced in Bang. Book two, It's Alive, picks up right where Bang left off. And so you've got galaxies and then the formation of planets. And then It's Alive is really all about the origin of life on Earth. And so it kind of explains the conditions that'd be necessary and, you know, the potential situations that could have caused it because there's still a lot of questions around how exactly it happened. And I try to uh, be upfront about the areas where science isn't 100% clear about what happened. And there's, there's definitely a few of those areas still. So 
that's It's Alive. And then the book I just finished, Great Apes, picks up where It's Alive left off. And we've got uh, single-celled life forms, and I follow them through evolution up to multicellular life, and then talk about extinctions and um, and the great oxidation event, which is a thing that you know a few people out there who you know my age who may have gone and taken some you know high school biology and maybe even a class in college still might not know about. So that's a fun one, and um, and we get up all the way through the, the evolution of the human race and touch a little bit on the dawn of civilization and agriculture and uh, specialization of labor and things like that. And uh, yeah, the other exciting thing that is, is kind of cool about these three books is when I started them, I hadn't done a lot of um, illustrating uh, digitally. I hadn't done a lot. I, I paint these books in Photoshop and I hadn't done a ton of that. So uh, book one, Bang, is actually in black and white. And then book two, It's Alive, slowly adds uh, color and book three, Great Apes, is in full color and slowly adds a lot more detail and texture. And that kind of happened on purpose because I was trying to, you know, convey the evolving complexity of the universe and, you know, the story. But it also happened kind of by accident because mm -hmm. as I was drawing, I, I picked up a lot more skills in, uh, in illustrating specifically in, in Photoshop. So it's been a lot of fun. And it's really cool now that all three books are to get to a, uh, that all three books are together, that you can flip through and see how the um, how the illustration style itself evolves to to reflect the complexity. So I understand you're using Kickstarter to fund this project. Um, I'm actually not familiar with Kickstarter. Uh, is this the first time you're using it, or have you used it for your previous projects? Yeah. So this is actually my second time on Kickstarter, and uh, yeah. I, I love this website. I think it's one of my favorite things about the internet. <laughs> uh, obviously, I'm slightly biased. Um, my my first time on Kickstarter went really well. I was trying to raise money to illustrate It's Alive, book two. And um, this was, I'd finished uh, book one, Bang, and had released it and gotten a lot of wonderful feedback and people really loved it. And then with book two, I had this idea of adding the color, but my old clunky computer was not going to be up to the, um, the larger file sizes. So I was raising money to get uh, a new computer to illustrate It's Alive. And uh, yeah, I, my initial goal was $1,000 and I ended up with over 6,000. It was a wild ride and a, a lot of fun and really, really validating as well. Like it, it was a great um, motivator to, you know, to see that there were fans out there that wanted what I was making. And, um, you know, as an illustrator and author, I spent a lot of time kind of in my den working away alone and so it's nice to uh to get positive feedback from the outside world every once in a while but um so yeah so with this book uh or with this project i'm aiming the initial goal was ten thousand dollars and uh to to pay for the the hardcover print run mm -hmm. and i managed to hit that in under a week which was awesome and wow um, congratulations and surprising yeah it was really flattering but so then what uh what a lot of people do and what i thought i'd do with with this project is if you hit your initial goal and you've got some time left, um, come up with what are called stretch goals. Mm -hmm. And those are goals beyond your initial goal that will, if they're met, unlock some sort of extra new rewards. And so what I'm doing is if I can raise an additional $5,000 or for each additional $5,000 I can raise, I'll redraw one of the three books in the universe verse series mm -hmm. as a, um, as a coloring book. 
So it'll be like, uh, you know, black outlines. And, um, and then I'll make it available for free to the world as a PDF ebook that'll be nice and printer friendly. So anyone can download a copy and then print it out, staple it together and give it to their kid. Mm -hmm. They can make 20 copies, give it to their classroom. And then uh, kids will have this wonderful resource for both coloring, you know, and obviously I like drawing and getting kids excited about art, but also getting kids excited about science. And, uh, and I suppose also getting kids excited about rhyming and writing and words and, and English. So, so that's the goal. So I see. And so for the people who pledge initially, does that mean they get a free copy of the book or how, how does this work? Oh, yeah. So, right. The basic uh, Kickstarter model is you got a creative project you want to do and you need X amount of dollars to raise it. And so if people are willing to pledge support, then if the project meets its goal and the project goes through, people will get rewards um, tied to the project. So, yeah, with my book, um, since we've hit the $10,000 goal, it's, uh, it's going to get printed. So this thing's definitely going to happen. And so people who pledge their support will get a, um, depending on what level of support they pledge, will get a uh, first edition signed copy of the Universe Verse as soon mm -hmm. as it comes off the presses. Additional rewards, I've got my other, the other two books in the series, as well as um, Great Apes. So all of those will be av available as paperbacks. I also have a couple books that I wrote from before, which are kind of fun. Um, there's one called Gordy McGranick Grapples with Gradients, and that's a uh, children's book about calculus, also rhyming. And uh, then there's a book called Seven River Riddles, which are um, seven riddles that I wrote. They're also rhyming, and uh, I wrote them while I was working as a uh, whitewater rafting guide. And, uh, and so those books are also available as paperbacks. But the thing that's actually really fun about Kickstarter is you get those you know, those are kind of the more basic rewards, but then you also get the opportunity to get really kind of crazy and cool things that you're not going to be able to get like in a store or in any other sort of mm -hmm. uh, experience. So one of the most exciting things I've got available, if there are any real big spenders out there, <laughs> is uh, the opportunity to actually get drawn into the book or to have like a loved one drawn into the book, which I think is a pretty fun idea that... Uh, you know, seems like a, a unique reward that not a lot of not a lot of places you can can uh, get that kind of experience. Certainly, certainly. So you mentioned that uh, you published a softback and now as a hardback. Uh, is this self-publishing, or did you have to go through the publishing house to get it printed? Yeah, so I've been um, self-publishing with uh, using digital print-on-demand stuff. Um, specifically, I've been using a service run by Amazon called Create Space, which I actually really like, um, and it's been really, uh, it's worked really well for me, because um, you can order books, you know, one or two at a time, and it's still pretty affordable, and, uh, and then also the books are on Amazon, which is great, because then, you know, people know where they can find it, and it's also a nice place to collect reviews. Um, the first two books are on there, and they've all got, they've both got, I think, like, 20-something five-star reviews, so that's really... Uh, really nice to be able to show that off and uh, but yeah definitely it's it is there are drawbacks to doing the self-publishing in that kind of the mainstream media is geared towards books that are published by major publishing houses so now that I've finished all three books I think once I've done the Kickstarter 
and I've you know done this first edition. Um, I would really like to start submitting it to publishing houses because you know the the ultimate goal is is really to get this story in front of as many people and as many children as possible. And ultimately, that that means the mainstream, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, it'd be helpful if I had a team supporting the promotional efforts. I'm just one lone man, and there's a limit to what I can do. <laughs> well, one man can still make a difference. It's that's totally true, for sure. But. I think, I, yeah, it would be nice to have a little bit more of a professional, um, you know, marketing team on board with this. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully someday I'll get it, um, find a, a publisher that wants to run with it. But at this point, I've, I haven't actually shared it with publishers. I've kind of wanted to see how far I could take it independently. And then once I am done with that and that, that point is drawing near, then I'd like to see if I can maybe sell some publishers on it. This is only available in English so far, right? Yeah, so far, and that is something I didn't really think too hard about when I decided to make it rhyming, is that that was going to make it a lot more difficult to um, to translate, mm-hmm. or it was going to be very difficult to translate it and preserve the rhyming. Mm-hmm. But I also think, you know, that there's it would still be pretty valuable as a resource if it was translated and the rhyming um, disappeared in the process. It's still, you know, I think the between the illustrations and just the fact that it's so concise is a real selling point. So I would certainly be open to, to people out there who wanted to translate it into another language, even if uh, even if the rhyming was lost in translation. Yeah, that could be another, uh, another Kickstarter project or open source in the future. Yeah, certainly. And I'm definitely open to um, collaboration with people. There's a few things that if there are, if there are people out, out there who are into helping me, I'd love to um, translate it. I'd love to adapt it to some sort of, you know, animated thing or, you know, some sort of video project. I'm actually, as one of the rewards for the Kickstarter, I'm going to do a super simple video version where I'll narrate the book and then um, do, a, you know, simple, basically it'll, the visuals will be the, the illustrations from the book with just a little gentle um, Ken Burns style panning and zooming stuff to mm-hmm make it a little more dynamic than just uh, static images but i think if there were some you know animation students out there who are looking for a project and they wanted to you know adapt a couple pages that would be awesome and you know i'd be totally for that okay so i guess we're running a little bit out of time are there some words you'd like to add about this project or about yourself i guess i could uh just introduce myself a little i'm you know uh i've been at this for a few years i'm in um oakland california and uh I've always been into illustrating books, and as as you heard, this is this is the last in a, a series of of rhyming kind of educational books. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited to be done with this project and and to finally be ready to to share it with the world and and to see how how far I can take it and and how much scientific understanding and appreciation I can spread because I I really think that's super important for the well being of our our planet in the future like we've got some serious and complicated problems coming up and the more scientists and engineers and critical thinkers and you know creative thinkers we we can foster with uh, books like this i think the better off we're going to be so i hope hope the listeners will will help me spread this project great uh just one last thought uh you mentioned that you know children are naturally curious and um for example rhyming and tools like those certainly get get them uh, excited uh, but 
you know, as they grow up, they often get distracted and their interests change. Uh, you have any thoughts on how to, you know, keep that uh, curiosity alive? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think what I think what a lot of the times what happens is that what kids think science is um, in school ends up being you know one type of sci of studying science, and it's you know it's book learning or it's studying facts and it's reading textbooks and taking quizzes and stuff and it's not building and exploring and you know kind of the more creative aspects of science and the more exciting mm -hmm. aspects of science so i think it's you know it's all about fostering that that curiosity and and how it naturally manifests and you know getting out into nature and you know looking at natural processes and stuff like that and you know i think it's important to get kids early on cuz you form your likes and dislikes at a young age and so hope i'm hoping you know, if you can kind of get kids excited initially, and then they can continue to pursue that as they get older, then uh, hopefully it can become a, a lifelong love. Okay, great. And if people want to uh, find out more about your project, where should they go? So the URL itself is pretty long, but if you go to kickstarter.com and just um, search for uh, James Dunbar or for the universe verse, it will come up. And uh, my website is JL dunbar.com right now there's a link to the uh, kickstarter page and when the kickstarter campaign's over i've got a bunch of uh, of stuff up there you can see uh actually see inside a couple of my books so you can take a little slideshow preview of uh of the paperbacks and yeah right now that you can use uh, jldunbar.com to get to the kickstarter website as well excellent well mr dunbar thank you so much for joining here on grox today Totally, and thank you very much for uh, for interviewing me and helping me spread the word. And we were just talking to Mr. James Dunbar about his Kickstarter project, The Universe Verse. Well, he's kindly agreed to join us on this week's edition of the Grokotron 5000, the computer forum known as Deep Blue. And today's question is scientifically fascinating or not? And he's going to tell us uh, his thoughts on the following five subjects. All right, and subject number one, uh, Star Trek. Scientifically fascinating or not? Oh, definitely fascinating. That's a classic that has gotten probably more people into science than anything else. And, you know, who cares if it's not 100% uh, accurate yet? <laughs> there, there's still time, you know. Yeah, we might come up with technologies. Okay, great. Uh, subject number two, uh, the movie Pacific Rim. Oh, Pacific Rim was also very fascinating. Um, also very unrealistic. Pro probably the least realistic thing I've ever seen on screen. I just saw it, and uh, I, at one point, they I think they just totally decided that physics wouldn't matter. Um, <laughs> they were flying around, these giant battleship-sized robots, and they were carrying them with, like, four helicopters, which I guess they're strong helicopters. But it was a great time. I, I had a wonderful time. I could sell it with my mom. And uh, we both enjoyed the spectacle. Cool. I'll have to check it out. I haven't had a chance to, to see it. See, the other funny thing about Pacific Rim is that the, the aliens, or not the aliens, the monsters are attacking us. I guess they are aliens. Aliens are attacking us, and we decide to build robots that are exactly the same size to fight them. You'd think <laughs> if we could build robots any size we wanted, we'd either build them bigger to crush the monsters, or maybe like little tiny robots that can fly up their nose and set off an atomic bomb. I don't know. That's, that's what I would have done. Okay, let's see. Subject number three. Uh, yeah, superhero character Batman. 
Uh, I love Batman. You know, he's a wonderful superhero in that he doesn't have actual superpowers except <laughs> a bunch of money and gadgets and a penchant for uh, taking abuse. I really loved it when, I mean, those the movies that came out recently were pretty spectacular. So uh, scientifically expiring, not so much. You know, I think his, uh, of the of the things that you've you've listed so far, I guess he might be more scientifically accurate than, than Pacific Rim. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't play up, you know, how he develops his technologies. I'd like to see a little bit more about the, uh, the R&D department and uh, the, you know, the trial and error involved in making the next-gen Batarang or Batwing or whatever new gadget he's working on. All right, subject number four, you know, long-time popular celebrity, uh, James Bond. You know, James Bond, I think, kind of falls into that, that Batman category where he's got the cool gadgets. I like James Bond a lot, you know, especially as a namesake. I'm a James myself, and uh, my dad's from England, so I feel a certain affinity for him. So I don't think okay. I can say anything besides fascinating, but I don't know about scientifically inspiring. Uh, once again, <laughs> they, the gadgets don't really... They seem to just kind of come out of nowhere at the right, perfect right. time, and you don't really see how they developed them or, or when they installed, you know, the latest gadget in this car. So, fascinating, scientifically inspiring, maybe not so much. Uh, finally, subject number five, also from the UK or uh, Britain, uh, mystery detective Sherlock Holmes. I'd say, I'd say for sure, fascinating. These are all really cool, you know, people and characters that you're, you're asking about, so I wouldn't, wouldn't say not fascinating about any of them. Right. And, and Holmes, right, I think is, talks a little bit more about the scientific concepts and uh i actually haven't read a lot of uh the original books myself so i probably i'm gonna get myself in in trouble here by admitting that most of my familiarity is from the recent robert downey jr movies which i bet bet, bet most people don't really think of as official canon but uh i enjoyed i like the first one a little more i think this the second one yeah of the movie um, I think the more recent one, they they took the uh, the fun stylistic stuff from the first one and and blew it a little uh, blew it a little up a little too far. It's a new approach, and and Robert Downey Jr. is usually pretty fun to watch on the screen. So. Certainly. There you go. Wow, five for five. Everybody fascinating. <laughs> and some of them are even accurate in their portrayal of science. Okay, well, Mr. Dummer, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us again on the Crack Guitar Five Thousand, and um, hopefully you'll come along our way again. Oh, I'd love to. Be happy to update you in a couple of years with whatever I'm working on. It's always sure. a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in again next week for more from the world of science, technology, and the way it affects our daily lives. In the meantime, you can check us out on the web at www.groks.net, on Facebook and Twitter. You can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. Stay tuned right here for more music.